Hey, you. What coffee are you drinking today? I had to stop at a coffee shop on my way home from Austin to get yet another coffee before recording this podcast episode. In case you missed it, Hannah and I usually start every podcast recording session grabbing our Friday afternoon coffee. If you're looking for a way to support the podcast, you can now fuel the podcast by buying us a coffee. No, really. There's a website called buymeacoffee.com. And all you have to do is add a forward slash and we pot. So be sure to check out buymeacoffee.com slash W-I-I-P-O-D. Welcome to the Weight Inclusive Innovators Podcast. My name's Hannah Turnbull. And I'm Morgan Sinclair. We're two non-diet dietitians, entrepreneurs, and Enneagram 7s here to talk shop about the business side of things. From managing a team of clinicians to building a cohesive brand to figuring out how the heck to pay yourself, we get deep down in it talking about what it actually takes to start, run, and grow your weight-inclusive business. The good and the messy. We know your degree didn't include any business classes, at least not any applicable to what you're doing now as an entrepreneur. This is why we are on a mission to bring business education to other weight-inclusive clinicians. Say sayonara to all the hours spent on Google and hello to information that is actually relevant. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the pod. Today, we're going to be chatting about networking, connections, and the power of reaching out. But before we dive into today's episode, let's check in. Morgan, how's your week going? My week was so good this week. I just got back from Austin for a trip with Superbill. This is our first networking trip that we did. I reconnected with a former coworker who was also going to be in Austin because CTEDS, which is Central Texas Eating Disorder Specialist, is hosting a conference. And I teamed up with Aaron at Within Health to host a few events. So we got to host a happy hour and a breakfast. Probably my favorite part of all of that is that I got to meet all of my social media friends in real life. It was the coolest thing. And I was like, I like would go up and give someone a hug and be like, I don't know if I've actually ever met this person in real life before, but we were already friends through social media. And so it was just so cool to get to see everyone. Met one of your best friends. Yes. Shout out to Yaz if you're listening, because I know you do. So glad my favorite people met. So awesome. She literally walked through the like entrance into the restaurant last night. And I was like, oh my God. Like it was, it was so exciting. And of course, we had to take a selfie and send it to you. Yes. Um, So they are having their conference today. Unfortunately, I didn't get to stick around for their conference, which I'm bummed about, but honestly don't know if I would have made it through. I did not anticipate how draining it would be. A very good draining. It was so fun to be social. That was also the first time that a lot of them had met up in person since before the pandemic. And so the, the, there's just energy and it's just buzz. It was awesome. But now I'm exhausted and I didn't anticipate being exhausted. And now I have a weekend full of activities. So I'm going to have to figure out <laughs> when I can uh, squeeze a nap in somewhere in between all of that. Wow. Yeah. I can imagine just the nervous system dysregulation, even though it's like a fun, exciting thing, but just having two and a half years at this point of not doing these things and to be thrown back in, even though it's amazing, it's like, ugh, just extra draining. We're not used to it. Yeah. Yeah. But overall, incredible week. How was your week? What'd you do? Uh, my week was a pretty subpar week. I'm just not feeling well. Um, went to Cabo last weekend for a long weekend, which was really fun to celebrate a friend's bachelorette. And I feel like, I don't know if this happens. I'm sure it happens to some of our listeners. Just anytime you get on a plane or like travel, I feel like it just shuts down your immune system a bit. And there's always like little Mm -hmm. bugs and viruses going around. So fighting that off. I got tested for like flu, COVID, strep throat, all came back negative. So I don't know what the hell is in my body, but I need to release it. I need it. I need it gone. Um, So needless to say, did the bare minimum this week, (laughs) just trying to function. And I'm going to be taking a ton of rest this weekend, which is hard because I also had plans. And I'm like, I have to cancel my plans because of self-care and boundaries and I'm sick. So- I'm sorry. You're not feeling well. It's okay. We were just talking before the pod about like how 
you're tired and I'm sick, but we still want to be here talking because we love this so much. So we do happy to be here. I'm not going to dwell in it, but I am definitely going to be horizontal after this. Uh, yes. And also if you hear some, some sniffling and some throat clearing along the way, I'm also recovering from the tail end of a cold. So, you know, we're still showing up though. Cause we love this so much. <laughs> Should we dive in? Let's do it. All right. So like we alluded to earlier, we are talking about networking, which is so exciting. There's so many things we are going to dive into. Um, Why should people network? Networking, first of all, is one of my favorite things to talk about. This is also so fitting because we both had recent networking events that we get to pull in. I know I was I was on the drive home mentally preparing myself for what we were going to talk about today. And if it was going to be something really difficult, I was already prepared to be like, mm, can we switch some things around? But when I found out it was networking, I was so excited to hit record. So networking is just a really awesome way to build social and professional connections. It is one piece of the puzzle in your marketing strategy, in your marketing plan. And you just never, my favorite part about it is you just never know what's going to come of it. Some of my favorite connections that I've ever made has just been like, saying hi to someone at a co-working space or asking someone a question while waiting in line for coffee. And it can be intimidating, but if you allow it to just be this like open experience, you never know what it's going to turn into. I, gosh, not to bring the Enneagram into this again, <laughs> but I think that this is such a, like when you love people and you just think they're so interesting and you're in that very optimistic mind space of like anything could happen. What's going to happen today? Who am I going to come across? Like, it's very whimsical to me. So I was just imagining standing in line at a coffee shop and like meeting a celebrity or something. I don't know. Yeah. That's not the same thing, but, um, literally anything could happen from one connection. It's like, how many Kevin Bacon's are you removed from somebody? Do you know about that concept? We've talked about it on here before. We have talked about it. What episode it was. I have a terrible memory guys. So I probably repeat myself a lot. Just roll your eyes and we'll move on. Consistency Um, is key. You'll be known for these phrases now. Yeah. I have a very important question for you though, when it comes to networking and, you know, I think of for me recently, it's been saying hi to someone at my coworking space, saying hi to meeting someone at a coffee shop, introducing myself to a barista, but I feel like the world is divided. Whenever you get on an airplane, do you talk to the person next to you? Ooh. Okay. In the pandemic. No, the barrier of the mask, which understandably needs to be there sometimes at this point still, and was definitely required. I think I say that because they recently um, took the mandate away on airplanes. Um, When you have that over your mouth, it's really hard to connect with people. People, I have a face that people want to talk to though. I I don't know why, like people are always talking to me, which I I love. Maybe I like give off an energy, but I feel like when I did go on planes in the pandemic, which wasn't too much. I got talked to, but usually Mm -hmm. I have like a full-blown conversation, like getting to know people. Mm -hmm. Sometimes if I really want to work on the plane, I will put my headphones in, but I like to leave myself open to opportunities of talking. So I'm right there with you. I was having a conversation about this with a friend recently and they're like, you're my worst nightmare to sit next (laughs) to on a plane. And I was like, (laughs) sorry about it. I just like, I'm also the kind of person like, this is going to sound crazy, but whenever I'm traveling, so I try, I use Southwest a lot. And like, if the plane's full, give me a middle seat. I have two people I can meet. Like, that's just where, that's where I'm at. I love, I love flying. I love meeting people. I love hearing where people are going. But even when I've pulled out my laptop and put my headphones in, like people will still talk to me. They'll like, like kind of peek over at my laptop and be curious about what I'm doing, which like, Invasion of privacy, maybe a little bit. I think I was like, I was designing a logo. So it was a little, they weren't like reading my emails or anything like that. And they were just asking me about it. And it's just so fun. You never know what's going to come up. And if you listen to last week's episode, you'll know that the eating expedition, um, a huge piece of that being started was saying hi to someone who's grabbing breakfast in the same hotel as me in Florence. Absolutely. It's, you just never know. But I also can see like, going into that mood where if you were working on a logo and had your headphones in of like, I got to grind this out. Everybody, please just leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. I will say that's also, you know, I, lo- I I feel like I can talk to people pretty well. I also feel like I'm pretty good at like 
stopping a conversation pretty well too. So <laughs> nice, nice balance within that. It's a, it's a skill. Okay. Have you ever had a moment where you were like, Oh, this person seems interesting or like, Oh, I'm just going to talk to him. Cause we're standing in the same line and you got totally rejected. Oh yeah. It happens. It sucks. It, it, it makes me more nervous the next time to do that. Uh-huh. Um, cause you, like, you never really know how people are going to respond. You never know. And so I don't know. I also just kind of have like a, I swear we're, I'm about to say another phrase that I don't know if it's an actual phrase, like let like the water roll off your back. Is that, I think that's right. I think that's right. I think you're like a duck and then the water rolls off your back because ducks have waterproof fur. There we go. Not fur. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to have to turn all these phrases that we keep screwing up in every single episode into some sort of merch. Put it on Um, a mug. Put it, put it on mugs. Anyway, so yeah, so I feel like I that's like that's kind of my mentality when I go into situations like that. Of what's the worst they could do? Ignore you. I could talk to a brick wall. Who cares if you ignore me? I'm not annoying about it though. If someone's gonna <laughs> if someone's gonna not respond and ignore me, I can take I can take a cue to not push it. Same. Sometimes it hurts my feelings though. I'll just say. Oh, I, I, I know. I get an ick feeling of like. I like almost like embarrassment of like, Oh yes. God, I can't believe I tried to talk to this person, but like, no, it's, it's back on them. They didn't want to talk to me and that's fine. And it's not about me. I'm awesome. That's the, that's the not, a, it's not on me. It's on them. That's right. And that's Their okay. Problem. They can We're not wanting to be social. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So bringing it back to the OG question of why networking, it's just a great way to fill your cup with connection. Like this work is really hard um, just getting to be connected with people like you can't really be an eating disorder clinician without a network because yeah. you have to collaborate so much. Mm-hmm. Getting to have community within that is so helpful. So helpful. And from a business standpoint, networking is asterisk free, right? It doesn't always have to cost money. It does cost time and other resources, maybe energy. But if you are, you know, trying to build your business, things are tight financially. Like you don't have to spend a lot of money to do this. And the payoff can be great in a lot of different ways. Yes. It can get complete. You can get so creative with it, going for a walk together, jumping on a zoom call together, a phone call together, going and meeting up at a park. Like there's so many ways to meet up with someone for low cost that will just continue to build your network. And so We want to approach this conversation recognizing that we are both extroverts. And so you might be thinking, of course, network is easy for you. Of course, you like networking. Y'all both like to talk to people as evidenced by what we were just chatting about. But I'm here to say networking is just as effective for those who are more introverted too. And we're going to dive into that today. Absolutely. And I will say the pandemic definitely made me more introverted than I've ever been in my life. So I always say I'm an introverted extrovert. So sometimes I'm like, I love the one-on-one connection. I'd much rather go grab coffee with one or two people than for me to host a whole, mm, that's not true. Cause I, as I'm saying it, I'm like, well, we're going to host a conference one and I'm excited about that. But, um, I think right now coming out of burnout or like navigating burnout, I don't even want to say I'm coming out of it. I think we're all just in that space. I find it harder to muster up the energy to be able to like work a room in the way that I used to, even though I love that. So it's really normal to go in and out of introversion, extroversion, wherever you fall. Um, But I definitely know a lot of introverts who have successful businesses and do networking or they have people in their practice or business do networking for them. Exactly. There's so many different ways to do it. And towards the end of the episode, we will be talking about different strategies you can put in place and we'll make sure to touch on that. But before we give you all these tangible tools to really hone in on why we think networking is so important, we just wanted to share a little bit about our personal experience networking and how, as cheesy as it sounds, how networking has changed our lives. I can't even count the number of ways networking has influenced my life, but I definitely wouldn't be where I am in my personal life, in my business is multiple businesses without knowing people. If you aren't in a web of people, what you offer doesn't matter because people won't know about it or won't be able to find it. 
And word of mouth is always the number one most powerful networking tool. You can set up all the Google ads where people can find you. You can post on social media, all those things, which is great. But when it comes to having that authentic connection, actually meeting somebody in person and just getting their energy, that's always going to offer more word of mouth for promoting your business. If you want to do some Googling, we could probably do a whole episode on this, but for now, until that episode comes out, if you want to do some Googling, the right terminology to Google would be grassroots marketing. And what that means is a few people know about what you have to offer, and then they keep telling their network about it to where it expands kind of tenfold because everyone has their own network of people. I'm sure you can speak. I can speak for both of us. Most of my business clients have come from word of mouth referrals. I show up on Instagram every now and then just because I really like it. But aside from that and having like a website that I haven't updated in a year, everyone finds me through word of mouth. Like I don't have any paid marketing strategies. Same, same for my business coaching. Every person that works with me, either a a friend told them about it or they heard about my offerings from like another businessy program they were doing. Or they saw me give a presentation how, and I got the presentation through being in a network and then it went from there. Yeah. I was doing a little audit of my network and how it's really impacted my professional life and came out to be about 95% of my jobs that I have had currently have opportunities I have came to me because of my network. And so like, Sure, I had to do some interviews through that and had, you know, had successful interviews that helped contribute, but I never even would have had the chance to do those interviews if it hadn't been for my network. Do you want to give a couple examples of the things you're currently doing and how networking has helped you get to where you are? Yeah, I'll do a few of what I'm currently doing as well as just kind of the steps that have gotten me to where I am. So my introduction into the eating disorder world was working for a medical practice. I had a semester off in between my bachelor and master's and needed a job and had a friend that was working as a dietitian in Houston who was sharing an office space with this medical practice. She was like, let me connect you with the PA. They need an office manager. Got that job. That was my very first introduction to eating disorders. Would not be in the eating disorder space if it weren't for that network connection. Then came along my dietetic internship. I applied to University of Houston's distance program, and I was working at that medical office and told the PA, hey, I need to take this afternoon off. I'm going to meet with the internship director, the program director, to just introduce myself. And Jennifer goes, Jennifer, the PA, goes, Who, who's the program director now? And I shared with her, and she goes, oh my God, no way. I was her teaching assistant in college let's just take the rest of the afternoon off and I'll go with you. And I was like, wait, what? And she goes, yeah, I haven't seen her in so long. Like, I'll just go with you. So my boss shows up to my interview or like, it wasn't really an interview. It was just like, um, let me meet you and tell you about myself and why I should be your intern. Showed up with me and the program director was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Y'all know each other. Like, you know, Jennifer, like that speaks volumes. Pretty sure I got into my internship because of that. I started working at a treatment center as a dietitian because I met a dietitian at a networking event. We stayed connected for a few months until I had finished all my schooling. And then told she told me about an opening with Super Bill. I got connected to them because a former colleague of mine was in the same program to become an LPC as the chief providing officer for Super Bill whenever they were a different business model. And so that's how I got connected to them. And then did a little bit of consulting for them and got brought on for marketing. And then, as I mentioned previously with Morgan Sinclair Designs, most of my clients come from word of mouth referrals and them telling their own network about me. Dang. We can't do it without a network. We can't. What about you? What, what is your network like? How did, how's it impacted you? Yeah. So I actually find this question quite overwhelming because I'm like, what part of my businesses aren't related to someone I met in a network. So I'm just going to give a few examples from each of my businesses that I'm, I'm doing. So with Nourish Colorado and when, um, you know, a few years back when we were just starting to build and get referral sources and all that kind of stuff, I met one of my greatest friends now, and I met her 
I think another person that I had networked with connected us and was like, oh, you got to meet her. We went out for brunch, instant besties. It's like, I don't know. It was just some magic. And from there, I like got my biggest referral source and we've just nurtured that over the years. And I don't know. It's just like, wow, if we hadn't had brunch and like connected, would the business be where it is? Because there has to be that authentic piece of like, oh, I want to be in relationship with you versus like, I met you, I send you people. Like that's not networking at all. So that's an example I have from Nourish Colorado. Um, For values-driven group, like I said earlier, all of my peeps come word of mouth. I do have a website now, thanks to Morgan. So I do hope to do more networking and see what I can bring in in the broader community of weight-inclusive practitioners and people who need business support. But other ways that they found me was giving a presentation to another organization who's in our space. So I would consider all of that networking stuff. And then a new project that I'm going to be working on, which there's no spoilers yet because there's no project yet, but I met with a health insurance auditor who found another weight inclusive dietitian on Instagram, asked that dietitian who to talk to about insurance stuff. The dietitian sent her to me and I used to do a project with this dietitian. And so my dream person that I'd love to collaborate with and figure out health insurance stuff increasing access to care with eating disorders and weight inclusive medical nutrition therapy, we're going to be stewing in a new project. And so I just, yeah, nothing that I have would be a thing without networking and meeting people. Cause essentially that's what it is, right? Meeting people, making connection. Oh, and then we have our podcast. (laughs) And then this podcast wouldn't be here if it weren't for our network. And so I'm sure we've shared this before, but it's such a fun story to tell. I knew a dietitian in Colorado and me and two other dietitians here in Houston were like, let's fly up to meet them in real life. Cause at this point we had only met each other through social media. And so we flew up and the other dietitian in Colorado was like, I have some other dietitian friends in Colorado. Let's all meet up at a park. And that's when Hannah and I met for the first time. So we knew each other a little bit through social media, you know, responded to stories here and there, but we met at a park in Denver and the rest is history, but I'll let you share a little bit about the rest of that journey. Yes. Well, and the funny thing is like we connected, we went for a walk, but we weren't like, oh my God, instant connection. Like let's collaborate in that moment. It's like, that was our our starting point for meeting and networking of like, okay, name with face. We've met each other. I think at that point we established we're both Enneagram sevens. I was about to say the first thing you told me was, hi, I'm Hannah. I'm also an Enneagram seven. (laughs) And that is a pro tip for meeting people. Just say, hi, your name and your Enneagram and then see what happens. (laughs) See what happens. (laughs) You could start a podcast with them. Yeah. It might happen for you. So yeah, that was back in Oh God, was that October? It was October of 2019, Halloween weekend of 2019. Okay, October 2019. So April 2020, we connected again at a book club. Yes. And then you shared with me about the eating expedition because I was like, oh my God, that is amazing. Like, I'd love to hear more. Maybe I'd like to go on a trip someday. And that was our next connection. That was our next connection. Just a few emails back and forth. Until one day you reached out on my website and wanted to do some website stuff. And my response back to you was like, what a freaking joy to have your name pop into my inbox. Absolutely. Let's chat. And then it's been history since we came up with all these ideas. We were vibing. And then this is how we made the podcast and are going to have a conference. So just keeps growing and all because of a mutual connection in Denver and social media. Mm-hmm. Gotta love social media for networking. Yes. But enough about us. <laughs> I think we've made our point that networking is important. We really want to leave y'all with some tangible things today and maybe some new ways to think about networking, different types of networking. Because as someone who does a lot of marketing coaching with eating disorder clinicians, so often people tell me, I want to get better at doing Instagram. And I'm like, what's the purpose? Like, what's your goal with Instagram? And they usually say to get more clients. And I'm going to make a, have a hot take right now. 
you are not going to get clients from Instagram until you have over 10,000 followers. Maybe not that high, but you need a lot of followers on Instagram. The best way for you to get clients into your practice is through the network that you have, these personal relationships. And there's so many different ways to meet with these providers, both to get clients, but also just to have support groups, other people to bounce ideas off of, mentors to look up to who you might see like, oh, they have a really thriving group practice. I want to know how they did that. There's so many different benefits of having a network. And so we just wanted to share a few different types of networking. I know one of the ones that we've all been kind of limited to in the pandemic has been Zoom chats, which there's such an appreciation for technology and being able to do that, right? Like we can still meet with people and connect. And I'm glad that we're not just limited to that anymore. So that's one meeting on the internet. Zoom has been a popular platform for that. We are literally on Zoom right now. Yes. Um, If you're more of an introverted clinician and large groups overwhelm you, making it a goal to have one or two coffee meetings a month, just invite a provider out to go grab coffee with you or grab coffee and go for a walk and just be able to have that one-on-one connection. I know one thing for me with networking, I know I mentioned I'm pretty good at cutting things off. I always kind of have a go-to question of how to like wrap up networking meetings. Do you have a go-to question? That you do, or like, how do you end? Because I know, like, we have tight schedules sometimes. So it's like, hey, I only have an hour. So that could definitely work. But sometimes they can drag on. I think because time is so sparse these days, I'm very cutthroat with like, I know what we're doing here. And like, I want to meet you and I'm excited. And like, I can, I don't know, I have like this intuitive sense of like, oh, great, we've chatted a lot. We had coffee together. I'd love to like, know what your process is for onboarding clients. So I can send people to you that I think will be a good fit. It was great to meet you. Like that's and just leave much. it at that. Mm-hmm. Dang. Mine is always, and I'm, if, if you're, if I've ever said this to you, just know that I love meeting with you, but we're busy humans. We probably both have other things to do. Someone needs to wrap up the conversation. Mine is always, so what have you got going on the rest of the day? There you go. I feel like that's a nice transition to be like, oh, well, I have this, this, and this. And then it's kind of like, great, let's go do those things. Bye. <laughs> I feel like I do that to friends and things too. I don't think that's that weird. If like, it's kind of the signifier of like, time to wrap up. What do you think? And then somebody tells you what they're doing. So you're like, they're on the same page as you. I love yeah. it. Time to go do it. This is going to be a total side note. And then I promise we'll get back to types of networking, but <laughs> along the lines of ways to get yourself out of networking events. So like you've gone to a successful networking event and it's now time to leave or to say goodbye, or you're on the phone with someone or whatever. And I think this is a Midwestern and Southern thing by saying, I'm going to let you go. Like putting it on them of like, you need to go, but I'm going to let you go instead of just being like, okay, I'm going to go. Do you ever do that? (laughs) Yeah. I was wondering what was going to come out of your mouth when you said Midwestern and Southern. I was like, so I was expecting like a, Oh, got to (laughs) go. But I think that's more like Midwest and North like Canadian. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Gotta go. You can use that too. If you want. It's so funny. It's such like a passive way of saying like, I, I gotta go. (laughs) I'm going to let you go. Oh my God. Now everybody that interacts with us is going to be like hyper vigilant about what we're going to say when we're done with them. We're calling ourselves <laughs> out hard, but that is not because we don't love it. They're just, I mean, there has to be a natural way to end things yeah, and get on with the day. Yeah. I think I'm kind of, I'm not brash sometimes, but I'm very direct. It's like, like, Oh shoot. What time is it? Is it? Or like, um, Hey, it was so great to talk to you. I'm really sorry. I got to go to my next meeting, but I'll, I'd love to follow up or whatever. Like sometimes I'll just cut it. If like, I want to keep hearing about this. Let's connect again later. That's great. I have to get to do it mid sentence. Yeah. And this is, I just, I'm bringing this up because I feel like it's an important topic to talk about because I'm sorry, we're just going to go on so many tangents. So many tangents. We're going to, we're going to bring it back. I promise. I want to bring in a little bit of a personal experience, not related to professional networking, but I'm going to talk about dating. I was with the friend recently. I was just thinking in my head, networking is like dating. Carry on. Networking is like dating. And the thing that holds me back from going on dates is not knowing how to end things if I didn't feel a connection with them. 
And I feel like that kind of happens with networking too. If this is you, and this is why I wanted to talk about this because like you have to end things. And so we're, you know, we're just giving you tangible tools, things to say. I'm also going to out myself on this. I'm probably going to have a vulnerability hangover after this. I have a note section in my phone titled how to end things. And I have different templates I can pull from that I can copy and paste and send to guys that I no longer want to see. I love that. It's very efficient. Love your system. <laughs> so efficient. And it and it removes the barrier of me going out and doing something scary and vulnerable, like going on dates. And so I really hope no guys that I've ever that I've gone on dates with listen to this because quite a few of them know I have podcasts. That's okay. But it helps, it helps get over that fear of going on a date. And this is applicable. We'll bring it back to networking. This is applicable to networking too. You can have templates that you can send to people, not necessarily to end things because that's not the goal of networking, but a template to follow up of like, it was so great to meet you. I look forward to, if you, if you want to build a one-on-one relationship with them, it can be, it was great meeting you. I would love to grab coffee and get to know you better one-on-one. If it's someone that is just a, a professional in the community that you want to just maintain a relationship with, you could say, it was so great to meet you. I look forward to seeing you at future networking events. There's multiple ways you can go with this, depending on how the interaction went, if it's someone you want to continue to build a relationship with, and no hard feelings if it's not. We're not meant to be besties with everyone, as much as I would love to be. Absolutely. Yeah. And don't overthink it either. Like, if you didn't have any of these ideas in your head of like, oh my God, how am I going to end this meeting? Um, don't let us, don't let us, <laughs> don't freak, let us you freak you out. out. Really fine. Just show up and like everybody's human. And sometimes I don't know. I've had awkward networking meetings too. And I've had really fucking bomb ones. It just yep. is what it is. Yeah. It's a surprise. Surprise. You never know what you're going to get. Okay. Pulling it back to types of networking, Zoom chats, coffee meetings. Another one you can do is at lunch and learn at a provider group. We do that a lot at my group practice because then you get an opportunity to bring someone lunch, which you can do fairly reasonably on a budget. And you get to like actually be in the room with the providers who you're wanting to connect with. So we do this a lot at doctor's offices. This week, we just did one at a pediatrician office. And it was cool because I think I've done this so much now. I don't go in with a presentation and bring a you know computer and put up slides. I hate that. I'm much more of a conversationalist. Just We went in there and facilitated a conversation about what they're seeing at their practice and how we can support them and did a little education around eating disorders while they ate some delicious sandwiches and cookies and chips. So it was nice. I love that. Those are some of my favorite things to do when I was in outreach. So definitely an, an impactful one. Kind of along the same lines is hosting an event if you have it in your funds. If you want to invite people into your office, maybe for like an open house into your office for them to get to know you a little bit better, or you can attend an event and that event can look like maybe a dinner, an IADEP meeting, a, I know a bunch of treatment centers usually like to host different events. So making sure you're connected to the reps in that area. It's a really great place because they facilitate it. And then you get to show up and see a bunch of people in your community. And then if you're going to take it one step further, attending a conference as well. Yes. I feel like all of that ties together of like getting people in a room. There's usually food and you're learning something or you're teaching something. I side note, I'm really thrilled. The world is opening up again. I know the pandemic's not over and we all need to be cautious, but just before the pandemic, I remember, I can't remember what treatment center it was, but they were going to fly me out to Washington for a tour. And I'm like... Like, I was just always thought that was so cool of like, wow, this treatment center wants me to so badly know about what they got going on because they see the value in our group practice. And like, we often have to step people up to higher level of care. And so I was going to get a free trip to Washington and then the world shut down. So we are planning to do lunches and fun things without reach reps in the community who want to feed my team. So I'm looking forward to that. We got a, we got a list of restaurants we'd like to go to. I love that. Got to go try some new restaurants mm-hmm. and get some information about who's in the community. You know, another thing that you can do kind of along those lines is education. So there's going into another group or a place that doesn't have the same specialty as you and saying, Hey, we know this is a thing. We know a lot of people aren't trained in this. Um, do you see these people at your practice? 
If you say you don't, you probably do. You just don't know. We'd love to come give you a presentation and teach you about it. And that way, like sometimes you can get a CEU approved for it. So you're giving something really valuable. We all love CEUs to a group or a company or whatever. And then that's kind of your compensation to them of like, let me come tell you about this. Let me teach you. You can use these skills in your work and I'm showing you my expertise. So that can be a great way to network as well. Because when they have clients who fit what you taught them, they're going to send it to your practice. They're going to want support or they're going to reach out to you to do supervision for their group, which is really cool too. Another part of networking that's going to be a little bit more passive, but could be active if you want it, when you have the time, if you have a lull in your schedule, things like that, is being a part of different groups. This could be in-person groups, groups local to you, but this can also be virtually through like Facebook groups. Um, There are some incredible Facebook groups for weight-inclusive providers that you can connect with. People are asking business questions. They're asking clinical questions. They're connecting with people to be their supervisor. All really cool things happen in these groups. Absolutely. And that's been the most accessible thing, thing to us in the pandemic. So yeah, it's as simple as like, Maybe you meet somebody who's in your state who is like looking for a dietitian who does X, Y, Z. And you're like, oh, that's me. You got a client, right? Or you want to like foster that connection. So you reach out, ask them to meet you over Zoom. If you're if you can go in person, go meet for coffee. Like there's just so many opportunities there, even though it started virtually. And the last one that is kind of a passive networking as well is business coaching. So whether you're giving business coaching or receiving business coaching. I like to always mention this one just to show it doesn't have to be a direct like colleague to colleague relationship. It can be someone you're getting business support from because they have their own network of not just in the clinical space, but like in the business space or in the world. And like I've talked about on the pod before, I started working with my business coach. Gosh, it's been last July, I think it was. And since then, like I've done a presentation with him where I got paid. Um, He promotes me in his spaces of like, Hannah's a real deal. You got to work with her to get dietitians at your practice. He's in the therapy space. Um, And it's just unlocked so many opportunities and other connections. And I'm, I feel like I'm next going next level on business offerings and connections that I can make and seeing needs that I can meet for people. So I'm hoping to, keep growing that network in particular. And that's part of that grassroots marketing, right? You have access Mm -hmm. to them. You do a presentation, you meet their people, then their people, and it just keeps fanning out. It's awesome. One resource that has been so helpful for me, and I I always feel like I've had like a, a good intuition of networking, but one thing that just helped put a framework around networking for me and made it feel a little bit more attainable or trackable, I guess is a good word to use, is a book called Reach Out by Molly Beck and would highly recommend buying it and reading it. But to summarize it, she basically shares or breaks down different types of reach reach outs into four categories. And I'm just going to go through them really quick. The re-reach out is number one. And this is reconnecting with someone in your past or maybe someone currently that you don't know very well. Examples of this can be a former professor, your dietetic internship director, an old preceptor, someone you went to school with, another intern in your program, um, maybe someone that you uh, you know used to share a client with three years ago and you haven't really gotten to do anything with them recently and reconnecting with them. One of my favorite parts about Reach Out is that she actually has data. And so she has the percentage of response rates based on these different types of reach outs. And so for the re-reach out, the response rate is actually the highest at 80%. And that's likely just because you have already met this person. They know your name. If your name popped up in their inbox, they know who you are. Absolutely. It's like a warm connection that you already have. It's like a warm connection. Another warm connection is called the follow-up reach out. And this is someone that you have met recently in passing. So this could be someone like an adjunct team member, someone you met at a networking event, someone you met at a coffee shop and got their business card. And the response rate for this is about 60%. And so still a warm reach out, 
um, but maybe not as high because you don't have this like past relationship with them. As you're listing these out for us, Morgan, I'm like going through examples in my head of experiences I've had with this. So I think the easiest one is the first one that you had listed, the re-reach out. Um, I think we can all think of that. The follow-up reach out, I, I just had this memory of, um, I was at a coffee shop onboarding one of my new clinicians. That's what I like to do. Take them out, um, have some fun drinks and snacks while we do all the boring admin back end stuff. And we were talking about eating disorder things. And this guy walks up to our table and he's like, oh my gosh, like I work at a substance use center and like, we see that all the time. Here's my business card, reach out. I didn't reach out. Or I think maybe I did reach out, but I didn't hear back. Mm. So I feel like that falls into that. It was a little passive. And it's, you know, not everyone's going to respond. Some of that, you have to kind of get over some of that rejection, whatever you're doing reach outs because it's bound to happen. It's not about you. It's not about you. The third type of reach out is called the borrowed connection. And this is someone that a colleague knows, AKA a friend of a friend. And they can do this by offering a really warm introduction, whether it's an email introduction or inviting both of y'all to get dinner or coffee or happy hour. And the response rate really is going to depend on this relationship, what the goal of the reach out and borrowed connection is. And the last reach out is called the cool reach out. This is someone that you have had no direct contact with. You've never, never met them. They probably don't know your name. You're just popping into their inbox or into their DM. But honestly, like, what have you got to lose by reaching out to a stranger? The response rate for this is the lowest. It's about 25%. So probably not the best type of reach out to have if you're like really trying to meet a goal probably should look into like a borrowed connection, a follow-up, a re-reach out, things like that. But you also have no clue what you've, what you're going to lose if you don't reach out and introduce yourself and ask for something. Or my favorite kind of cool reach outs is if I read an article online and I've never met the author before, if I can find their contact information, just sending them a quick note of being like, Hey, just read this article that you wrote. It really resonated with me. This is why looking forward to reading more of your articles in the future. I love that. I love that. There doesn't always have to be a means to an end. Like that is not the way to approach reaching out. I think about, um, I'm sure everybody gets these emails from just random software companies. And I don't, I don't even know half the shit that they're saying in the email, but it's a cold email. They're like, Hannah, blah, 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 blah. And then I don't respond. And then they reply of like, Hannah, I want to make sure you saw this. Like it's very systemized, very cold, very clear that they don't know anything about my practice. Um, and it's like a tech company. And I'm like, do you, I know I'm a business, but like, I don't need what you have. I, this is annoying. So when you do cool reach outs, make sure it's still very intentional, very like as warm as you can be in it. And as personalized as possible. Like you don't want to just send a blast of, Hey, I need clients, send them to me. Thanks to Mm -hmm. 1000 people you found on the internet. There still should be some personalization and some connection there. I think one of the most modern ways or modern examples of a cool reach out is if you're following another clinician on Instagram and you've never worked with them before, never connected with them before. And you just like respond to their Instagram story. Or you comment on one of their posts. That might be a little more passive. Responding to an Instagram story starts that like one-on-one conversation. And honestly, that's led to a lot of people in my own network of just, you know, responding, being like, oh my God, like what you're doing is so cool. Like cheering you on from afar. Can't wait to learn from you. Things like that. And you just never know where that's going to be because that allows you to continue to follow up with each other in like a, you know, a very removed way. But then like the, uh, an example that's coming to mind for me, and I know I've mentioned her on the podcast before is Claire Siegel, um, founder of the Flourish app. And we, well, I followed her on Instagram because I thought what she was doing was really cool and just started responding to some of her Instagram stories because what she was doing was so inspiring. And that's led to us now possibly getting to work together in a a few different capacities. And it's just, it's cool. Like you just never know what's going to come of it. Absolutely. I love that. And that's a really good point of you just start to foster that connection by just leaving a comment. Like 
and that's where the authenticity comes in too, right? Like you're not like, okay, I'm going to leave a comment here. I'm going to do it 10 times. Then I'm going to ask them like to get coffee. It's like, no, it should be natural feeling and driven by your values and like what you see people doing and acknowledging their work. And yeah. Yeah. Love networking. All that to say with tracking and strategy, you know, I know we just talked about how Instagram stories and things like that shouldn't be formulated, but if, if this truly is a piece of your marketing strategy that you want to get some data on, um, or even, I mean, it's easier to get data on sending emails. Those are a little more formulated, more well thought out, keeping track of who you are connecting with through coffee and networking events. A really great way to do this, and it's actually something they recommend in the book, Reach Out, is to keep a referral spreadsheet or keep a spreadsheet of all of the different people that you've reached out to, the date that you reached out to them, the type of interaction you had, um, what action there was, if there was any follow-up with that, if you sent them like a follow-up email or planned a future date to meet up or... Um, you know, maybe you met someone, you sent them an email, they didn't respond. And then you're reading an article or listen to a podcast that you're like, oh my God, so-and-so. And I actually talked about that when we were at this networking event, copy and paste it and email it to them. Be like, Hey, just listen to this. It reminded me of the conversation we had together. Hope you're well. Let me know if you want to grab coffee soon. Absolutely. I love a good spreadsheet. And when you have so many other moving pieces in your business, like networking is probably what 5%, 10% depending on what all you want to break down into things like you need a spreadsheet to keep you on track of like, Oh my God, it's been six months since I've talked to X like shit. I really should follow up. And I would love, I want to go give a presentation for their business. So I need to follow up and I want to make another touch point there. Absolutely. It just, it's, it's one less thing that you have to keep track of in your own brain. Yes. Yes. Which leads us to think about systems that we set up around that. So you know, the system of, okay, I go and meet someone for coffee. I have a spreadsheet that has their email address, the things we talked about, the things I want to follow up on and making that all flow with different things like emails, et cetera. Yeah. So being able to create email templates um, that you can reference. And if you're in, if you use Google, I'm sure they have this in in Outlook too. We're Google gals over here. Google gals. (laughs) Google gals. There's a way for you to set up templates and, you know, this shouldn't be what Hannah are talking about, what Hannah mentioned. This shouldn't be like a robot email. You should add some person, like personal touches to it, but along the lines of systems and working smarter, not harder. It's really easy to have an email template of, to send out to people after you've met them at a networking event. So just saying like, Hey, it was so great to meet you. Insert little blurb about what y'all talked about here with a would love to follow up, you can use this link to schedule something, link it to your Calendly. That way you don't have to do the whole back and forth on date and time of when you can meet, get something on both of y'all's calendars and follow up with them. One thing that came to mind with this whole, like adding the personal touch to it. And one of the reasons I love keeping a referral spreadsheet, and this might sound creepy. I like to add some personal details to it. So if we are talking about their dog, like I will add in a note section of like, has a black lab named Bennett. That way, if I ever, if that ever comes up again, or if I am going to another networking event, you know, say you and I didn't know each other and I'm like, oh my God, Hannah's probably going to be there. I can reference that note really quick and use it as a starting entrance. It'd be like, oh my God, I remember you told me you have a, a pupper named Bennett. Like, how is he? How's he doing? As a great way to just, you know, add that little personal touch. Um, because also we shouldn't have to, I mean, I, I remember Bennett. And if you're listening behind Hannah's microphone, I do remember you. I met you at the same time I met Hannah. <laughs> but just having those personal details, if you're still in the stage of building up to a friendship or building up to a stronger relationship, like it can be really hard to keep track of everyone's personal lives, but it's just meaningful. It's thoughtful to do that. I agree. I agree. And just because you use something to keep that information organized doesn't mean it's less valid or like less personalized. Like, I know for me, terrible memory. If I can put things I need to know and want to reference later in a spreadsheet, in a journal, whatever, I'm going to do it and I'm going to pull it out when I need it. And that is just being a human. Another strategy you can have, especially when you're going into networking events and there's multiple people and you don't really know who you're going to meet, just knowing what you want to get out of it going into it can make it feel a little less overwhelming. 
you could just be going into it as a way to socialize and just to see people you haven't seen in a while, meet some new people. You could be going to a networking event if you if there's you know there's one specific person going that you really want to connect with. Or you could be going to a networking event because you want to present what you have to offer. Usually in like dinners, networking events like that, you like introduce yourself. And so making sure you have your elevator pitch memorized, having a few like quick facts about yourself, about your practice, about your business that you can go to. But going into those events, knowing kind of what the goal is. And it doesn't have to be gamified in any way. I I feel like when I say that out loud, that's like, oh, you need to know exactly what you want. Like there's flexibility with it. But I know when I go into networking events, it's helpful to kind of have that in the back of my mind. Because if I'm going to socialize, I'm going to make sure that I'm like mixing and mingling with everyone and making sure I bring multiple business cards with me Mm -hmm. or multiple marketing materials with me. If I'm going to present an offering Maybe there's a specific marketing piece of marketing that I need to make sure that I'm bringing things like that just to make the process go a little smooth, uh, go smoother. Yeah. And it can take the pressure off of this nebulous, like, what am I getting into? What is this going to look like? Although I appreciate a little bit of like spontaneity and not knowing what I'm getting into. So if you're into that too, that's okay. Which leads us to just having different kinds of people. So if you're an introvert versus an extrovert, you have to know your energy and see what you can tolerate, set boundaries for yourself. If you're like, okay, I can tolerate this for an hour. I know it's going to drain me. I really want to go because of X, Y, Z. And that is fine. Like don't have to stay for the whole event or can make a few connections. And then, uh, what do they call it? Irish goodbye. We just, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then if you're an extrovert and this gives you energy and fills you up, like capitalize on that. What a great way to get to meet new people and, um, support their work Get your work supported meet who you didn't know you could even meet and see what comes with that. So if we could leave you with anything about networking, it's know your energy, know what you can tolerate, but don't be afraid to say yes. You never know what can come out of different connections that you make. You never know who you're going to meet. You never know if you're going to meet a friend of a friend, possibly a new future colleague, someone you can go market with, network to, present to. Networking is incredible. Highly recommend. And I do think networking is one of those things that falls into the, I won't regret if I go, but I might regret if I don't. That's an incredible summary to wrap it up. I would wholeheartedly agree with that. Thanks so much for listening to the Weight Inclusive Innovators pod. If you liked what you heard today, be sure to subscribe to our podcast, add us to your queue every week. Also be sure to leave us a rating and review and share with a friend to help us reach more weight inclusive business owners who could use support and pep talks. We'll see you next week. Bye.